Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. And I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, please. Matthew 21. I want to share with you this evening on the subject of successful prayer. There are certain things that we've got to be aware of in our Christian experience. And number one is how important it is to get the Word of God into our lives. Number two is how important it is to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. And number three is the value of a healthy, successful prayer life. For we need to know how to reach heaven. Not just in our times of need, but daily, daily to fellowship and commune with our Heavenly Father to get His mind so that He can direct and order our steps in life. I believe that just as God has set in motion all the, the planets and all the stars of the universe and has ordained that they function in a certain pattern and in a certain way, He has a will and a purpose for every human life. And when the individual makes a decision to enter into the plan and purpose of God, God Almighty sets in motion that which enables his life to be directed according to God's plan. Hallelujah. That's powerful. Get a hold of that. As you enter into the will of God for your life, just as he has set in motion all the vast reaches of space, he has also set in motion your life. And when you enter into His will for your life, He will set in motion those things that will direct your life according to His will and according to His plan. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, I'm going to read to you verse 21 and 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do that which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, everybody say all things. all things. Whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Careful analysis of these two verses reveals to us statements that are made by our Lord that are mind-staggering. Mind-staggering. He's actually saying that we have the ability and the potential to remove mountains. It's almost too good to be true, isn't it? But it is true. We have the ability to remove the mountains that stand between us and victory. The hindrances and the roadblocks that stand in our way, trying to prevent us from experiencing the perfect will of God for our lives. Those mountains can be removed, and the ability to remove those mountains is in each and every one of us. He goes on to say another staggering, mind-staggering statement, and that is this. All things, everybody say all things. all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. All things that we ask in prayer, believing we shall receive. Tremendous revelation. We need to view our prayer lives that way. Not say, I just can't seem to get my prayers answered, but say, whatever I ask in prayer, believing I receive. 
In other words, entering into it with the spirit of a conqueror, one who is successful and not someone who doubts his ability to reach heaven. You see, beloved, we can be weighed down with a heavy burden in this life. We can face serious illnesses in this life. We can wrestle with financial difficulties in this life. And we can face all kinds of adversities in this life. And no matter what it is that we encounter or what we face or what we wrestle with, I believe the solution to it all can be found in learning how to release the power of God over our lives through successful prayer or praying. We can do that. It's up to us to do our part. But I believe the solution to it all rests right here in learning how to unleash or release God's power and ability over our lives in all areas through believing prayer or successful prayer. You see, believing prayer, as Jesus said, can remove mountains. Believing prayer can remove the obstacles that stand between us and victory. They can enable us, or believing prayer will enable us to rise up above the adversities of life, will change life's circumstances, will tap into the resources of God's infinite power and wisdom, and will unleash the miracle power of God for the benefit of all humanity. We've got to believe that. We've got to enter into the prayer life with these thoughts and ideas and revelations given to us by God. You realize that when you get on your knees before God in prayer, you become a threat to the society of Satan, to the kingdom of darkness. You become an ally serving God in a foreign land. Success, beloved, in prayer, I believe, is something that involves learning how to operate in the principles of prayer as revealed to us in the Scriptures by the Spirit of God. It involves learning the principles that govern successful prayer. And if we'll do that, there's no reason why we cannot develop a successful life of prayer and unleash those powers for the benefit of mankind and humanity and also those powers and abilities of God over our lives that will assist us in accomplishing the purposes of God in the earth, be it our own personal lives or the lives of our family members and friends. I believe you can be a powerful force for God. I believe in you. Jesus believes in you. God the Father believes in you. He believes in your prayer life. He believes in your ability to remove mountains because He gave you that ability. He believes you have access to His presence. He's given you access to His presence. He's enabled you to hook up together with Him, to join forces together with Him in the earth to carry out His purposes. We're not laboring alone. We're laboring together with Him. And I've checked over and over again, and I've never found one place where it says God has failed. Jesus' prayer life was extremely successful, beloved, and I believe we need to study some things He said about prayer. And we are going to do that, and we are going to take our good old time because our desire is to share truth that will enable us to develop a successful prayer life based on the prayer life of Jesus. If there's anybody that knew anything about prayer, it was Jesus, I'll tell you right now. 
Daily he was ready for battle. Daily he was prepared to meet whatever the demands of the day were. Can you say amen? amen. He really was. I believe, look at John's Gospel, chapter 16. If you would please, John's chapter 16, John's Gospel, chapter 16. I believe one of the biggest hindrances to developing a successful prayer life involves people who think that an unanswered prayer was the result of it not being the will of God to do something for the individual. That is one of the biggest hindrances to developing a successful prayer life. You see, beloved, I believe it is the will of God that our daily needs be supplied. I believe it is the will of God that we overcome fear and oppression and depression. I believe it is the will of God that we prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. I believe it is the will of God that we overcome in this life. Don't you? But you see, when people ask God to do certain things and they do not get a result, rather than thinking an adjustment has to be made in their own lives, many of them settle in the traditional teaching that was handed down from one generation to the next that says it must not have been the will of God because you didn't get your prayer answered, so it wasn't the will of God. That kind of mindset will paralyze a person's prayer life. That person will no longer pursue any change so as to defeat the enemy and rise up above the situation because now they believe it must be the will of God that they stay that way. Can you see why the enemy will use that kind of false teaching and false doctrine? Sure, to paralyze someone's prayer life. So that person does not make an adjustment or a change. Now, beloved, I don't know about you, but I believe things should work the way they've been intended to work. And when it comes to you walking inside your house into your kitchen and turning on your faucet and the water comes out, you rejoice because it does. But if you turn on that water spigot and that water does not flow out like it should flow out, you know there is a problem. And you don't walk away from that sink saying, it must not be the will of God for me to have water today. Do you? You do not. No, what you do is call a plumber or somebody who knows something about fixing what, what the problem is because you know the water should come out. Well, listen to this. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. If asking is prayer, then receiving is the answer to prayer. If seeking is prayer, finding is the answer to prayer. If knocking is prayer, having it open unto you is the answer to prayer. According to Jesus. And if it's not working like that, you know what? We better call somebody and learn how to fix the problem so we can start getting results in our prayer lives. Amen? See, you wouldn't stand for that in the natural world when it comes to your water flowing. But you see, in the supernatural world, when it comes to answered prayer, too often people resign themselves to the fact that it must not be the will of God for me to have this because I asked for it and didn't get it. No change took place, so apparently it's not the will of God. That'll paralyze a person's faith life quicker than you can bat an eye. In John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 23 and 24, these are verses that we need to commit to memory. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. 
He's speaking of a new day. You shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you whatsoever. You shall ask the Father in my name. Everybody say, He will. He will. Everybody say, He will. He will. Everybody say, Jesus said, the Father would. Jesus said the Father would. Give it to me. Isn't that what He said? That's what He said. Hitherto, verse 24, have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive. Say it with me. If I ask, I, ask. I will receive. That my joy may be full. You see, beloved, it is the will of God that we have joy in our lives. It is the will of God that our needs be met. It is the will of God that we be healthy. It is the will of God we experience victory over the enemy. These are all consistent with the will of God for our lives. If we ask and there's not a result, then there is a problem that needs to be dealt with because Jesus said we would receive. Jesus said our joy would be full. It is the will of the Father that every single one of us live a life filled with joy. Isn't that true? Well, if I'm not walking in joy, if I'm not experiencing joy, something is wrong and we've got to fix the problem. We've got to find out where the difficulty lies and make the adjustment or make the change so that we can experience the joy of the Lord, so that we can receive our healing and our health that God wants us to walk in, so we can be prosperous in our way. So we can rise up above the mountains and the mountains be removed and the disease depart and the evil spirits flee. Jesus said, if you speak to devils in his name, they would flee. He didn't say they would come and buddy up with you and pitch a tent and live and dwell with you. He said they would flee from you. Amen. Well, they better be fleeing then. And that means to run from you as in terror or terrified because you know the power that is in the name of Jesus. Look at another verse in John 14. Here Jesus is talking about a date in which we would ask the Father for whatever and it would be granted to us that our joy would be full so that we could be happy and experience the joy of the Lord in our lives and experience life to the full. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I'd rather have joy than sorrow. I'd rather have healing than sickness. I'd rather have health than anything else along that line. I'd rather have a wholeness of mind. I would rather be prosperous than poor. What about you? Amen. Certainly you would. Amen. All those things represent the will of God, but there is some unseen force out there trying to prevent those things from being realities in our lives. And we've got to deal with those things and rise up above them and overcome them. In John 14, 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Now, notice he said, ask the Father in my name, and the Father would do it. But now he said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. And the word ask there in the Greek is the word that really is translated demand. And it means whatever you demand is your right and privilege, that will I do that the Father would be glorified in the Son. If you ask or demand anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that's not talking about demanding anything of the Father. That's talking about demanding the devil to take his hands off what is rightfully yours. And when you say, devil, in the name of Jesus, you let my health go. You get your disease off my property, the property of God. You get out of my financial affairs in the name of Jesus. And you know what? Once you unleash the power of the name of Jesus, what happened? Jesus was on the scene because he said, in my name, there am I. And Jesus did it. See, if you demand something in his name, he'll do it. So you're speaking the power and the authority of the name of Jesus 
and Jesus appears on the scene and begins to work on your behalf. You speak to your business and you say, business prosper in the name of Jesus. You've unleashed the power and authority of the name of Jesus. And Jesus appears on the scene and begins to work on your behalf. You speak the name of Jesus over your body and your body responds to the power that is in the name of Jesus. And you know as well as I do, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, every demon has to flee in the power of the name of Jesus. Praise God. These are just uh, some things that, that Jesus said concerning prayer. But I want you to go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, because we want to begin at the beginning. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, we're going to see some truths that Jesus shared about effective and successful prayer. But remember also something that John said. Now, John said those two statements by the Holy Ghost in John 16 and John 14, but he also said in his epistle in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he said, This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. You know, it's important to ascertain the will of God before you ever ask. And if you don't know the will of God, then ask the will of God before you ask Him about anything else. If you can't find the revealed will of God in the Scriptures, then you go to the Father in prayer and say, What is your will in this matter? I need to know it. Because apart from your will, I have no foundation upon which to stand. But when I know it's your will, when I know this is your will or that is your will, I have a sure foundation and I have an anchor for my soul. And I know that this is your will for my life. And I know that when I ask you for something, I'm confident that you hear me. And if I know you hear me, I know I have the petition that I desired of you. You see how important it is to know the will of God? And the will of God is not discovered by whether or not your prayer is answered. It is discovered beforehand. For example, if I took a hundred individuals and put them in this section of pews, and, I, and all hundred of those individuals were not born again, and I preached a message on salvation, and fifty out of the hundred responded and accepted Christ as Savior and Lord when I prayed about the situation and the other 50 walked off and didn't accept Him, does it mean it wasn't the will of God for the other 50 to be saved? It's just as much the will of God for the other 50 to be saved as it is for these 50 to be saved. The difference is these 50 responded, the other ones did not. You cannot ascertain the will of God by whether or not a prayer is answered. I could have prayed for all 100 to be saved. It's the will of God for all to be saved, regardless of the outcome. Here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, beloved, beginning at verse 5, Jesus, as you know, shared this, what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It was one of His first sermons ever recorded. And in this sermon, He dealt with the great principles that apply to successful prayer. And He began to share those principles with His disciples because he wanted them to be successful in their prayer lives. And so he gets to the heart of the matter of prayer. He starts at the very beginning and he begins to unveil and unfold some things that are absolutely matters of great importance if his disciples are going to succeed as he did in prayer. And here's what he says. Look at verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy 
Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I want you to notice that Jesus put first things first and said the most important aspect or principle you can learn about prayer is this one. Prayer involves communing with your Father in a secret place, realizing His presence, knowing that He is present there with you. It is out of that intimate place of privacy between yourself and the Lord that a successful prayer life is developed. You've got to get alone with God. Don't be like the hypocrites that want to be out there seen among men. They have their reward. Get alone with God. Begin to commune with Him in a private place, in a private manner, realizing His presence is in that place. As far as Jesus was concerned, He was saying that prayer was a solemn act. A solemn act to be reverenced. You see, beloved, the Father is is a holy God. And when we approach Him, we must recognize that He deserves our absolute respect. He deserves to be approached in a way that is pleasing to Himself. And Jesus wanted to make that clear to all of His disciples. Each of you must find your own secret place. Each of you must establish your own personal communion time with the Father. He is your Father in heaven. Go into this secret chamber. Pray to your Father who is in heaven and your Father who hears you in secret will reward you openly. That is the very first principle of a successful prayer life that every single child of God needs to follow, beloved. If you want success in your prayer life, it's going to be something that is manifested out of personal communion with God, walking in His presence, intimacy of fellowship, and then God giving birth to His great purpose and plan in that intimate place and time that you spend with Him. You see, beloved, the presence of God is to be where we live. The presence of God does certain things that gives great confidence to the individual in prayer. When a person is consciously aware of the fact that he or she is entering into a place where God is present. And I realize there is the manifest presence of God as well as the omnipresence of God. But I'm talking about the manifest presence of God here. You are purposely putting yourself in a place where you are going to give all the energies of your being and all your attention toward realizing the manifest presence of God in a private place of prayer. Uninterrupted. 
I'm just going to get with the Father. I'm shutting the world out. He deserves my respect. He deserves me to approach Him with humility and reverence. And so here I come, Father. I am coming, not to be seen of men, but just to be intimate with You, to commune with You, and to realize Your presence. Beloved, when a person knows that the presence of God is there in that place of prayer, prayer becomes vital. Prayer becomes a living thing. Prayer in that place becomes powerful. Prayer becomes successful. And I'll show you. Hold your place there. Put your bookmark there. Daniel chapter 7, if you would, please. We recognize Daniel as an individual who was successful in prayer. We recall the story of Daniel praying for 21 days. And God sending the angel to fight off the powers of darkness until the other angel brought the answer to prayer to Daniel. And each of us, of course, is impressed with the fortitude and the persistence and perseverance of Daniel to stay in that place of prayer until the results came. You have to admit that. Amen? But I want you to see this. The reason why Daniel was so powerful and successful in prayer because Daniel was a man who understood the presence of God and walked in the presence of God. You see, when you know that you're walking in the presence of omnipotence, faith becomes easier. Prayer becomes less laborious. You get to a place where it's something like breathing because you are more consciously aware of his presence than the presence of the king than the presence of the princes than the presence of the lions in the den are you listening why fear the lions Ancient of days is with me. Why fear the decree of the king? The ancient of days is with me. Why fear man? The ancient of days is with me. How did he get to that place? By taking time to get alone with God. How do I know that? Look at Daniel chapter 7. In verse 13, I saw in the night visions. I saw in the night visions. Anybody know what Daniel was doing in the night? Mm-hmm. Praying and waiting on God. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. 
Glory to God. Enter into that with me, saints. Let's enter into that with Daniel himself. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. He had a vision of the Son of Man. He had a vision of the Ancient of Days. He was caught up in that place of the presence of God. You cannot be in that place without having a spring in your step, without having a robust faith, without having confidence that God, who is there, present, manifest, will hear your prayer and answer your prayer. As a result of practicing the presence of God in a place of privacy or intimate relationship, Daniel was rewarded... Daniel was rewarded. But without faith, you can't please God. He that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him in that place of private devotion. He was seeking the face of God. In that place, there was intimacy of fellowship. In that place, he was caught up in a vision. He saw the Son of Man. He saw the Ancient of Days. And there was about Him faith and confidence with regard to the eternal presence of God being with him at all times. So who fears the decree of the king? So who fears the, the, the princes or the mighty men upon the earth? Who fears the lions in the den when with me is the ancient of days? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, that's what enabled him to persevere in prayer because he knew the reality of the living God. In that place of, of privacy where we realize the manifest presence of God daily, something takes place in us that develops in us confidence in prayer, boldness in prayer. So it's not just the written word, it is the acting upon the written word in doing this that enables the Spirit of God to take the written word and make it a living thing in our lives. Can you see that, saints? Okay. Exodus, if you would, please, and keep your bookmark over there in Matthew. We'll go back to it in just a moment. Exodus 33. We know that Moses was a an individual who had a successful prayer life. And he experienced bold times in prayer to the degree that he actually, I guess you could say, with great wisdom and tact, rebuked God. Do you remember that story? He did, didn't he? He did. That takes boldness, saints, doesn't it? If he could achieve that kind of boldness under an old covenant, how bold should we be with the new covenant, better promises and better blood? Okay, in Exodus chapter 33, look at verse 11. How did Moses acquire this confidence, this boldness? How 
was he to become so successful in making prayer a matter of breathing? Well, the answer is very clear. Verse 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. I'll tell you something right now. In a place like that, God speaking to you like that, you get bold. You get confident. The presence of God becomes superior to all the other inferior mountains that you face in life. Are you hearing? You see, the presence of omnipotence who is walking with you and with whom you are walking becomes greater than the illness, greater than the circumstance, greater than the financial difficulty. The secret to successful prayer is taking time to daily realize the manifest presence of God in your life. And that's the very first statement Jesus made about prayer in his teaching on the subject. Look at verse 14. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up then. So what Moses was saying was, as long as your presence is going with me, I am confident, I will be bold, and I will know of a truth that you are able to deliver, protect, keep us, and so on. That was born out of walking in the presence of God, living in the presence of God, gaining intimacy of fellowship with God through this personal time of intimacy and private devotion. And that shouldn't surprise us because that's exactly what Jesus did night after night, didn't he? Oftentimes he spent all night in prayer in a private place with the Father to fill himself up with the knowledge of the will of the Father and then to carry that will out in reality in the natural world in which we live on a daily basis. You know, our Christianity should be considered a daily event, a daily occurrence, a daily walk, a daily lifestyle. We should consider whether or not we prayed today like this. Have you breathed today yet? You wouldn't forget to breathe, would you? You certainly would not. See, Moses was aware of this. Moses knew the presence of God was the most important thing because with that presence was power with that presence was ability with that presence was all the resources needed to be a success David knew the same thing go to Psalm 139 if you would please look at Psalm 139 David knew the same thing as a matter of fact David developed this intimacy with the father keeping sheep got to a place where he knew him so well he'd be confident enough to chase a bear and then a lion and then finally got to the place where he knew the Ancient of Days was so walking with him that if he had to stand face to face 
with a giant named Goliath, it didn't matter because no matter how big he was, he was not bigger than the almighty God that he served. And he got this confidence, he got this boldness out of being in a private place of intimacy with him through fellowship day after day. You see, then finally, the presence of God became to him that which was greater in manifestation than all the other small things of life. This doing anything for you yet? Look at Psalm 139, beginning at verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Psalm of David. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness as the light and, and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You know what he's saying? It doesn't matter where I go. I am so conscious aware of your presence any place and every place I go. He can be in the lowest of hell, he said, and I know your presence. If I went to heaven, I'd know your presence. No matter where I'm at, I can't escape your presence. You know, we should think like that. We should think like that. I've shared with you on numerous occasions about these individuals when I was working in Tulsa at a quick trip and, and they came in. I used to work the night shift at this particular time all night long and they would come in like 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning and I'd be standing there waiting to wait on them and they'd, they'd walk in and, and they'd walk over and do their thing and oh, they would be cussing up a storm. They'd be just using everything you know of and everything you didn't know of. I mean, they'd just be letting it all go and finally walked over to the counter so that I can you know, checked them out and everything. And, and the one fellow looked up at me and said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes. Are you attending Rhema? I said, yes. Oh, I'm sorry I was talking like that. Please forgive me. And I thought to myself, me? You're under this guilt and conviction because you're looking at me? Because I'm here? What about the Ancient of Days? Where'd he go? He's everywhere. You know, we don't get God to go or come. He's everywhere. All at the same time. Do you hear that? Well, come on and see. No, he's already here. He's already here. You know, Jesus said something like this. 
If two of you shall agree on earth to touch anything that shall ask, it shall be done by of them by the Father which is heaven. For two or three have gathered together in my name, there am I. There am I. There am I. There am I. Have we gathered together in his name? There am I. Here I am. I'm here. I'm here. That's what he's saying. I'm here. I'm there. I'm there. We don't have to get him to come. He's here. We've got to realize that presence of God. We've got to realize that in intimacy of prayer. We've got to focus in on the fact that the Ancient of Days is with us, in us, for us, through us. He's here right now in this place. And when I go to him in prayer, because I know him so well, whatever I ask, I receive. First important step in a successful prayer life is to realize the manifest presence of God on a day-by-day -day basis so that you can be consciously aware of the fact that he is there. He is here. He is where you are. He's bigger than your problem. Going back to Matthew and chapter 6, and we'll kind of get through this real quick here. We're going to take these, like I said, very slowly. We're not in any hurry. You in any hurry tonight? So we'll be teaching on Wednesday nights on the subject of successful prayer and sharing these things. Notice verse 5 again. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. Now notice the motive, that they may be seen of men. That's not your motive. No, look at the next verse. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into, notice, thy. Everybody say, my. My, my closet, see? Say, my closet. And when thou hast shut, say my door. Pray to my Father, which is in secret, and say it with me, my Father. See, what seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You see how important this is to prayer? A place of private, intimate relation, fellowship with Him, communion with Him, realizing His presence realizing he is your father, realizing he is right there on your behalf individually. Can you see that? Individually. That is what bolsters one, one's prayer life. That's what bolsters one's faith. That's what bolsters one's confidence. But if the only time I go to him is in the case of an emergency, I won't be as bold, will I? I won't be as confident, will I? As a matter of fact, I'm going to touch base with this because I think it's essential. Most people that have an emergency that haven't been with the Father in prayer, when they go to Him, already feel defeated because the first thing the devil reminds you of is your lack of obedience to a productive prayer life. And you go, oh, man. Hmm. And you've got to start warring with your, your what? Your, your inferiority or your your low self-esteem or, or your guilt and condemnation because, man, I should have, I should have. Now, now I've got a big problem. Now I'm going to him. What happened to see every single day just going into his presence? Okay? And look at the very first thing, and I'll close it right here. Look at the very first thing he says for them to do with regard to addressing your Father in heaven. 
He tells them not to use vain repetitions and all that, for they think they're going to be heard for their much speaking. Don't be like unto them. Your Father knows what things you have need of in verse 8 before you ask Him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Once you establish a private devotional closet, the first thing you want to become accustomed to doing in that place is offering praise and worship to the Ancient of Days, to your Father. You start with worship, and Jesus said you end with worship. But I've got something so rich for you right now, saints. So rich. That was teaching them under the Old Covenant because the New Covenant had yet to be established. The Spirit of God said through the uh, writer of the book of Hebrews, because Jesus is at the Father's right hand representing you right now, you can have boldness to enter in to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Your invitation is to the very throne of God, the very presence of God. And in Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way, which he hath consecrated through the veil of his assayist flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Are you ready for this? He's made the way for us to enter into a place of private, devotional prayer time where we can realize the manifest presence of God. And that way is through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that every imperfection, every guilt, all guilt, any frailty that we have, anything that would be a hindering factor has got to pass through the blood to be purified. And once it does, you are ushered into the holiest presence of God where you can lift up your eyes in that place and say, Abba, Father, who art in heaven, I've come here to bless your holy name. And in those words, you will realize the manifest presence of God. And you may just stay right there for a while as you just focus on the fact that you're there at His throne boldly at the throne of grace by invitation, boldly standing or kneeling before the Ancient of Days with the Son of Man, the Son of Righteousness, with healing in His wings at the Father's right hand. And you're there just saying, I bless your holy name. Hallowed be your holy name. And oh, I can't even begin to tell you what transpires in that particular place. Don't even go to another step before understanding these first two. A place of quiet, uninterrupted communion with the Ancient of Days through the blood of Jesus Christ and first and foremost to daily worship Him in that place around His throne until you are conscious aware of the fact that his presence is manifested not just omnipresent but manifested in your life daily 
then you'll walk away from that place like Daniel. Who, this king? Who, that prince? Oh, you mean they'll cast me into the lion's den if I bow to another God, unless I bow to another God? Fear not, Daniel. The Ancient of Days is with you. No fear. Oh, you'll throw us into a burning, fiery furnace? We're not bowing our knee because we don't fear you, King. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Why didn't they fear the king? Ancient of days is bigger. We know him. We fellowship him with him daily. And right now, if you throw us in, he's able and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Do you see where that came from? It came from the prayer closet, the secret of his presence. Let's stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.